Inside, it's comfortable. Inside a house, inside a family, inside a routine. But what if we widen our view beyond the fence across the street? Outside, we find people struggling with loneliness, poverty, families that don't look like ours, or without a safe family at all. Jesus didn't call us to live by our neighbors. He called us to love our neighbors. Hey, church family and visitors online. Is it possible that the pandemic is bringing out the best in people? A few news stories. I was reading recently how COVID-19 has changed our shopping habits. That no longer do we shop just for ourselves, but we keep an eye out for what our neighbor needs. I was reading about a New Yorker who has a bread-loving, gluten-loving bread maker next door as a neighbor. And yet this bread maker can't find enough yeast. And so an out picked up a packet of yeast and gave a phenomenal gift that only cost $1.36. (laughs) Have you shopped for someone lately? I heard of another man, a fisherman in California, who when a child was being swept away by the King's River, jumped in, showed reckless abandon in order to save that child's life, although losing his own. This week in Chicago, there was looting in the South Loop. Here's a picture of the store, a liquor store, warehouse liquors. And the 62-year-old owner named Gene Sharness, he was being abused and all his stuff was being taken until a young lady named Cece stepped in. African-American who convinced the looters, hey, this store is mine, stop it and go away. And for the most part, it worked. Yes, friends, is it possible that the pandemic is bringing out the best in people? I think so. But if you're scratching your head and you're saying, Pastor, I tuned in last week and last week you said the pandemic was bringing out the worst in people, uh, you're correct as well. And the full story is this, that we see both best and worst at the same time. And that's the reality I wanted to talk to you about. That when it comes to any group of people, When it comes to the company you work for, when it comes to even yourself, you can see both best and worst at the same time. In an organization, you have not only the best employees, (laughs) you have some of the worst. In a gender, in a race, you have great examples of citizenship and neighbors and some really bad ones. And then even of ourselves, we have moments that, that if we were encapsulated by that one moment, we'd be like the best of people But then if we were judged by our worst moment, and that told our story, we'd be among the worst of people. You know, we've come to have a spiritual conversation, and um, I wanted to share a spiritual lens. And by the way, welcome if you're new to church or just joining us online. Uh, We hope, most of all, you just see the goodness and the best of God today. Um, But there is a Latin phrase that I remember learning that kind of describes this dual nature going on. And it's the Latin phrase, simul justus et peccator which means simultaneously we are just and sinners at the same time. And isn't that true? Uh, Some of you who are in the Spirit know that the Spirit can empower you to do great things. I consider this passage from 2 Timothy. It says, The Spirit God gave does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And every now and then we see people doing radically loving things making change for the good, had a great week when it came to self-discipline. 
But then we can also see the shadow side. Not the new man, but what we call the old man theologically. The, the sinful nature. And, and about the sinful nature, Paul would warn us here, if you think you're standing firm, be careful you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. So basically, anything that you think is wrong, you could do. Be careful. We're all susceptible. And so here's the truth, the first takeaway. We are capable of the best and the worst at the very same time. <laughs> and maybe there are some parents who have seen that in their family. You have a child who does something, and you're like, wow, I didn't even tell you to do that, and you did it without attitude. That is amazing. And then hours later, I cannot believe you just said that to me. I cannot believe you did that to your sibling. This is the reality. Which is why I love this series called How to Neighbor. Because fueled by the Spirit of God, I believe he can direct us into what is the best of activity. In fact, if you were with us last week, we are talking a little bit about the golden rule. And that was treat others as you would like to be treated. But then we also looked at God and we upgraded our rule to the platinum rule. That we should treat others as God treats others, which is better by far. And I'm so excited to get into the Word of God today because we have a superior picture of what it is to neighbor. We have a very familiar parable for some called the Good Samaritan. In fact, we still use that word, Good Samaritan, as lingo today, talking about good neighbors. And so we're going to dive into the Word of God. We're going to explore the whole thing together and then dig in. So a reading of the Word of God from Luke chapter 10. Here it says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Now, by the way, that's really foolish. You do not want to go toe-to-toe with the sinless, the all-powerful Son of God. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? We'll pause here again. Do you know most people, when it comes to inheriting eternal life, ask the same question. What must I do? That There has to be something that I should fulfill. But what has been revealed through the Bible, it's not about doing, it's about believing. It is simply through faith that we receive the gifts of God. This man has a lot to learn. Well, what is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. We'll talk about that. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? That's the setup for the story. And now the parable. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite from the priestly order, a religious person, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, hated by the Jews, as he traveled, came where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. 
Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. These are the powerful words that we could consider. Could you say out at home or to someone around you, that's how to neighbor. That's how to neighbor. You know, it was a couple years ago that I had the opportunity to take a call to St. Marcus Lutheran Church in the inner city of Milwaukee. Uh, this church is predominantly an African-American congregation. And while I didn't take that call, I was noticing how they're handling the situation. A classmate um, is the lead pastor of that church, and he got together with some of the leaders of that church to ask them their thoughts during this very contentious time. And for me, I got to tell you, there were a lot of takeaways. For example, um, I've never been trailed in a store wondering if I was going to steal something. I've never experienced the kind of prejudice they were talking about based on the color of my skin or know how that feels. But what I was struck by was their, their belief in God and their confessions of faith. The reason they show compassion and they forgive others is because that is what God has done for them. They're also wise in fending off anger and, and things that would incite them. They said, uh, we don't even watch the things that would otherwise create those feelings in us um, because it's just not helpful. But what I wanted to share with you is their perspective. Something that I believe is true, that, that they believe that Though this has been heightened right now, race relations will never be perfect as long as they live. They believe it is something they're going to have to deal with the rest of their lives. Now, I don't mean to be overly pessimistic, especially as we've come to worship the Lord. But I agree. I don't believe that race relationships, I don't believe that gender struggles, I don't believe the dynamic between rich and poor or the political dynamic between Democrat, Independent, and Republican will ever be perfectly solved in my lifetime. And in fact, something that I truly believe is that the hope for humanity, it's not humanity. It can't be us. And the reason I bring this up is because that's what the teacher of the law was in error over. As he approaches Jesus, he's coming with kind of an arrogant persona, you know, testing Jesus, right? That's arrogant. And then trying to prove how he had done everything required. They have this debate over the laws, you know, love God, love my neighbor. And look at the heart of this argument with Jesus. He says he wanted to justify himself. Basically, he wanted to prove how he was his own hope, how he had gotten it all right. So he says, who's my neighbor? And Jesus, <laughs> you don't want to test him, just blows him away. First of all, he describes a priest and a Levite, basically who he was, how they pass by a neighbor in need. And then he brings up the known enemy for the Jew, a Samaritan, and shows how this is the one who showed what true love was. And as he was asked who was a neighbor by Jesus, he had to leave with his head hanging. Man, maybe, maybe I haven't done all these. Maybe I'm not my own hope. Have you realized that about yourself lately? 
that if the hope for yourself is up to you, you're lost. Maybe at one time you thought, you're like, I'm just a thoughtful person. You know, when it comes to me, I just care for people. And then you look at Facebook. And it was our birthday. And you totally spaced. You didn't send a card. You didn't do anything. You missed it. Maybe you propped yourself up. You know what? I'm just a generous person. I'm super generous. And then you check with your wife. We, we gave to that, right? Uh, no, I thought you were going to do it. Oh, man. Maybe this parable brings up all the times and the ways that you thought you, you, you could have been a good neighbor but had other plans instead. You passed on by, whether it was a car wreck or the neighbor or someone who just wanted an ear of attention from you, but you had other things to do. Hope for humanity is not humanity. Which is why I love Jesus. And that the hope for humanity is divinity. The truly divine Jesus Christ. The one who can't help but be perfect. The one who is constantly good. The one with unfailing love. And the only one who mirrors the good Samaritan is the Savior, Jesus Christ. Can we talk about it? I just want to draw out some of the correlations. When it comes to the story, the robbers, they beat the man and they strip him of his clothes. And what does the Samaritan do? The exact opposite. He puts on balm and wine and bandages so that the man can get better. It reminds us that in this world, the world might strip us of our dignity and our rights might strip us of a good name, might take from us our goods and possessions. And what does God do to the misused and, and the abused and the mistreated? He restores full rights of sons. He puts on dignity to be called child of God. He restores with forgiveness and eternal treasures. That's what God does. The Samaritan who lifted up the man and put him on his donkey Reminds me of our God who, as often as we get down in the dumps, weeping may last for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. The God who knows how to lift us out of pits of despair or helplessness and give us hope and peace once again. This is our God. The Samaritan who goes to the inn and pays the bill and then says, I'm going to return again and, and, and you give whatever is necessary for this guy to get better and I'll pay that too. Reminds me of Jesus Christ who hung on a cross and said to Telestai, it's finished, paid in full. The one who would bear the nails and the thorns and the floggings so that any sin, all sin, can be fully and freely forgiven. Our Savior is the Samaritan. And the kicker is why he does it. His motivation which brings me to my favorite Greek word, which is splanknizomai. I just love us saying that. It says, when the Samaritan saw that man, what, what did he have? He had pity on him, which was splanknizomai. That he felt it to his core. His heart went out to him. And that is our Savior, Jesus Christ, who looks at a world in need and has compassion. Dear friends, I get to remind you of that once again. That you have a Savior who has compassion. You have one who has splanknizomai for you. The beauty of Jesus.
But looking at our Savior, Jesus Christ, it's impossible for us not to want to be like him. And empowered by the Spirit, we want to talk then how we are neighbors just like him. You know, to go further, I love it when someone has a reason to dislike or hate someone else, but puts that aside and shows love anyway. I saw a great example of that in a police officer in Elgin. His name is Hector Gutierrez. And while the protesters were there protesting basically about him and what they do as police, he crossed the line and after they asked him to his dance party, joined in and busted a move out of love. That's great. Perhaps on a higher level, we see this kind of love in 1996. In 1996 in Ann Arbor, Michigan, when the Ku Klux Klan had planned a rally for that town. But then others came out to protest that rally. And among the protesters was a white supremacist. And the protesters who were against the KKK and and those who thought they were better, uh, they saw this man, they started beating him and kicking him and pushing him down. Until Keisha Thomas stepped in. Young black lady. Defended him. Said you can't beat goodness into him. Now she was inspired by her Catholic faith. And she had this to say of why she did it. She said she knew what it was like to be hurt. The many times that that happened, I wish someone would have stood up for me. And so she used the golden rule and was an example of what a neighbor is. That's what makes the story of the Good Samaritan so extreme. In the context, we know that Jews hated Samaritans. They represented a race that was unclean in their eyes. Because 700 years ago, Jews had dispersed and other nations had come in and they intermarried. And now their bloodline wasn't only pure, uh, but they worshipped other gods. And so Jews thought that because they moved on to foreign gods, maybe God had moved on from them. And if God didn't love them, we shouldn't love them. They're just, again, unclean. But God had loved all and wants all to be saved. That's what we saw a couple weeks ago in the dialogue between Peter and Cornelius. And God is displaying again his love through the Samaritan. The Samaritan is such a great example of love crossing the line of hate. So you want to know how to neighbor. You neighbor by helping those you may have reason to dislike or even hate. And I wonder where this sinks in today. I wonder if there is a friend or a family member who's hurt you and you have a hard time putting up with them. You have a hard time calling them or helping them or wishing them well and maybe today's a day where you pick up the phone, you forgive it once for all and you seek to do good instead. Maybe there's a coworker, and this person, they're always stealing your glory, they're getting in your way, they get on your last nerve and and you're always tempted just to to give them the cold shoulder, to brush on by, not to speak to them. Maybe this week it's a time you stop by and you ask them how how they're doing and you show love. Maybe for some of you, you are hurt so deeply by one person, representative of a gender, representative of a position in government, representative of a group of people, and you're tempted to write off that whole group But the Holy Spirit might be working in you to see that all of us are sinner saints. All of us need 
the gospel of Jesus and to forgive and to love each person. May God so drive us to help those we might even have reason to hate. You know, Jesus, he shared this with us on his Sermon on the Mount. He had these words to say. He said, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Help those who are otherwise unkind and mean. In the book of Proverbs, it says, by doing this, you'll heap burning coals on their head. And what does that mean? Uh, You might show them the error of their ways and they would repent because you return love and kindness for their hate. This is what it is for us to be in Christ Jesus. But the Samaritan takes it further. And at the end of the story, there's a point where I come to the point and say, man, when is he going to stop being good? Because it's one thing for him to stop from his travel, look at the man, have pity. But then he puts on oil and wine and bandages. Then he takes it further, putting him on the donkey and taking him to an inn. Then he takes it further by footing the bill and takes it way further by saying, I'm going to come back and pay for whatever he needed. The Good Samaritan did extra, so far beyond what was common. Have you ever had an experience where someone did that for you? Someone with extra? Maybe you even had to say, this is too much, I can't accept this. For me, I'll never forget moving to the area, New Lenox, and I had this great neighbor named Judy Campbell. And as I was mowing the lawn talking to Judy, it'd be one thing for Judy to tell me the good things in the area. Here's a doctor, here's a mechanic, here's uh, good restaurants. But it was another thing to do what Judy did, which was find all these people, print it off, put it into a file folder so that I could be welcomed and shown what it's like to be new in the area. Being by Judy Campbell, I, I experienced a lot of extra. And isn't this so beautiful? When we see people going further then what is common? You know, it's something that I believe uh, can shape the world. We can neighbor well by going farther than what is common. And so what's the opportunity? You know, we have opportunity this week by putting together boxes of food for the homeless in Chicago. And, and you might say it's one thing to do one box, but maybe you're going to do two or three or five. That's extra. Maybe for you it's just showing patience and love to the degree that it's uncommon, pushes you further than you thought you could go. But before we leave, I think there's something that could stop us from doing any bit of this. And it's a question. What if they take advantage of me? What if they just use my kindness? Can I be real? I know sometimes the streets of Chicago are mean and cruel. It can happen. In fact, maybe let me take it further. It probably will happen that someone will misuse your kindness. But here's the deal. I would rather live in a world with such overt kindness than hide that kindness through layers of self-preservation. Let me say it again. I'd rather live in a world with such overt kindness and love than to live in a world where that love is hidden by my own self-preservation. And if you are in Christ, you know you have a God who sees everything. A God who says, vengeance is mine. A God who said through the words of Paul, God is just, he will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. So go at it. Go for it. 
Live in a world where a fisherman throws himself into a river to rescue a child. Live in a world where a police officer gets rid of the discord and breaks the line by busting a move. Live in a world where we respond to hate and cruelness with love and kindness. For this is the world Jesus has created for us. As we are sinners, Christ died for us. Let me pray for us. Lord, how far, how wide, how deep, how long your love goes. When I was left for dead, mistreated, and abused, you came for me. You have healed me through your cross and given me so much. Help me to do for others what you have done. I pray especially for those I have reason to dislike and those who have hurt me. Help me to cross the line and extend an olive branch that it might bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.